This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 64. Today on our show, the president of U.S. Playing Card, Michael Slaughter. I have one claim to fame. My first trip out to a casino was I was standing on the corner uh, when Tupac Shakur was shot oh. and uh, admiring the lights and the hotels and that kind of thing and didn't even know what, what I saw. U.S. Playing Card was founded in 1867 and today is headed by a man who grew up across the street from the company's facilities in Norwood. How about that? The operation has since moved to Erlanger, but they still make everything right here in the Tri-State. Michael Slaughter tells us about the history of playing cards as well as the company's history, uh, why there are so many different kinds of playing cards and why they offer so many different brands, and the origin of those famous Iraq War Most Wanted decks that were popular back in the day. Be sure to listen for the special promo code, of course, for 20% off near the end of the episode. And with the deck shuffled, let's talk to Michael Slaughter from U.S. Playing Card. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. She came down Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. The beauty is a number of my competitors are like, man, will you sell us paper? Because we know that's the secret. And I said, well, that's one of the secret ingredients. But how we get to that paper is really unique because it's unique formulation. We use our own proprietary paste. Yeah. Uh, our own proprietary paper formulations. So you guys make the paper. We don't make paper like a paper mill. Um, what we do, though, is we actually create our own cardstock. So we take layers of paper and we laminate those layers using that proprietary paste, which blacks out. It's actually a black paste. Um, and when you see it, you guys have to come over. I'll give you a tour. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, But um, when we apply that, it blacks out the card because the card can't be translucent. You know, I mean, if you and I are sitting there and you're looking at my cards going – you know, hey, I see he's got the uh, ace of spades there. And, yeah. Um, gunfight. Yeah, yeah big gunfight. That's right. That's right. But we're the only company in the world that makes our own cardstock. Everybody else just buys laminated paper off the shelf, and that's the problem. They can't make anything unique. You know, it's kind of like a special recipe. Yeah. And we're not going to give the seven herbs and spices. Ah. You know? I thought you'd... Spill it all here today yeah. for us. Oh, well. And you guys are in all the casinos in Las Vegas. Well, not a, not all casinos. There are some a couple competitors out there. Uh, but, yeah, we've, we're probably in, in Vegas. We're probably in over 80% of the, the market. Wow. Yeah. See, we need we need to come up with a product that, <clears throat> what, 20 minutes after it's used, there's a rule that says you have to put on a new T-shirt. And it has to yeah, be yeah. – because, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's great. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. how, yeah. What, what is that? How often will a deck of cards It, it kind of depends. So, so, so the reality is a deck of cards can last you a long time. Depends, right? Depends how much handling there is. If the decks are going through shufflers, automated shufflers, because that adds friction and heat, that kind of thing. Uh, the old rule of thumb used to be in casinos is you opened up a deck of cards, you put it on a table, and you never left it for more than four hours. Rather, it got played with or not. So if you never walked up and played a hand of cards at that table, they took that table, that deck off the table, and they destroyed it. And that literally was up until uh, right around 20... 
10, 20, 11. And in 2007, when uh, casinos really started feeling the financial impact of housing crisis, economic uh, downturn, um, they decided uh, to get a little more uh, thoughtful in there. Hey, we got to control some costs because we don't have people flocking out here like we used to. And as a result, they decided they needed to cut costs. So they said, hey, let's try and leave these on for eight hours and just see what happens. Then they went to 12 hours and they went to 24. So the reality is our cards, um, we actually engineered them to be significantly more durable and they will last on a table for a lot longer than four hours. 24 is typical, very typical. You'll get 24 hours of play, but it, it all depends on the number of hands dealt, uh, rather a, rather they're being hand pitched, uh, rather they're using, being used in mechanical shufflers. And then, um, and it really depends on if, uh, like in the game of Baccarat, if you go to Asia, they use that card one time. And, and the reason is in Asia, um, the, the marketplace, the uh, consumer there is very superstitious and they believe they can do something called squeezing the card. So when that card's dealt uh, in the game of Baccarat, they, do, they, they believe they can change the outcome. Very superstitious, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're doing this squeezing of the card, and they believe that they can, you know, and then they get ah, boom! I love those consumers, right? Yeah, <laughs> of my course. cards got rid of it. Don't need another one. I need another one. Yeah, um, the whole deck screwed yeah. at that point. And because uh, yeah. the hands are so big on the game of baccarat, uh, it's not uncommon, you know, to see five hundred thousand, ten thousand uh, dollar bets. Very common in the Asian market. And even million-dollar bets on a hand, on a single hand of Baccarat. Jeez. Well, Wait. Casino is never going to reuse those cards. They want to, you know, for, for the cost of that deck, they're like, mm-mm, we're done. <laughs> so what's the worst that could happen if it stays on the table for 72 hours? Is that do some cards get maybe they so don't, they don't wear even? So, so you've introduced, no, more importantly, you've introduced risk. Risk that um, something called uh, a mucking. Um, and that is where you take the card. Uh, you're a really good sleight of hand player, and you somehow take a deck off while I'm dealing to, or a card off that deck. But you know what? You've palmed it. You've put it in your pocket, and you exit the table. You're going over to that dealer's table. What if you can reintroduce that card somehow on a really big bet that gives you a favorable hand? Boom. That's it. It's taking risk off the table. Hmm. And you're thinking, oh, come on. I, you know, uh, how many players are out there? Tens of thousands. Yeah. Yeah, tens of thousands. There's some really, you know, um, you know, card cheats and criminals, uh, you know, travel in, in similar space. And they're incredibly creative. And we know how creative they can be. Um, uh, criminals can be. And a card cheat is, is, uh, has, has perfected their art. They perfected their craft. And as a result, um, that's risk for the casinos. So do you have to introduce mechanisms to keep? Well, yeah. So, so we actually, uh, in our cards, um, we, uh, we have a a set of proprietary codes that are invisible to the naked eye for casinos. And, um, and, and it's, it's red. Uh, by a proprietary dealing shoe, of which we've developed software and technology that reads that card. So it knows exactly what cards came out of the shoe. And in the game of Baccarat, it sends them to a tr- what's called a trend board. So the players can see the trends. Again, superstitious player, no, no different than like someone at the track, right? You bet trends. Um, and uh, card players can be very, very similar in their card play. 
is that they'll bet trends at the table. But yeah, we cre- we created a set of proprietary codes. Uh, we print those on the on the uh, cards, and then they get read in our dealing shoe uh, one at a time. So yeah, there's security wow. and safety technology. So some, that, like <clears throat> ultraviolet ink or something that tells it. Ultraviolet ink is one of the ways that one of our competitors uh, reads cards. It's an old technology, and the reason we don't like ultraviolet ink is it degrades over time. So if a casino, if you go into say Macau and they buy twenty five, a casino over there buys twenty five million decks of cards a year. Wow. They're going to have a few million decks on hand, and and um, environmental conditions can also degrade those inks. So we have a, a technology that doesn't allow our ink to degrade over time. And, um, you know, what happens with UV inks is they can be read by any UV reader. And if someone gets that card off the table, then there is potential to counterfeit that card. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. And trust me, these these guys are really, really creative. If you ever go out to any of the uh, card blogs and you see the creative ways that uh, – uh, sleight of hand, I mean, it's basically, think of a magician. You you and I don't detect that hand movement. That's amazing what they do, right? Um, these guys are magicians at the table. Brett Maverick yeah. would be amazed. Brett Maverick would be, yeah, uh, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, right? Know when to walk away and know when to run. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So uh, you know the history of the uh, U.S. Playing Card Company, I'm yeah, guessing, a bit. right? Yeah. So how bit. far you guys go back? So uh, the company actually began as the Russell and Morgan Company, started in 1867. And um, the way the company started out were these two people were printers, these two gentlemen. And uh, they were also entrepreneurs and were looking for improved printing technology and so forth. So the company actually started out as Russell and Morgan Printing, printing circus posters, uh, fight posters, event posters, uh, tax stamps. Uh, for uh, municipalities and, and cities and states. Was that here in Cincinnati? That started here in Cincinnati, 1867. Wow. Yeah, and 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 I, I've I've looked at some history. Before I think it was the Reds. Yeah, it was was on a exactly before the Reds. <laughs> and um, so as entrepreneurs, uh, because they were here in Cincinnati, riverboat town, riverboats had riverboat gamblers, and those riverboat gamblers uh, needed playing cards. So they felt that they could do a better job making playing cards, and that entrepreneurial spirit is what um, you know kind of keeps our company running today. But they decided that they would make a deck of playing cards. So in 1881, they actually launched into printing their first branded deck of playing cards called Tigers. And uh, from that, uh, a number of better brands, they developed better, better brands, better technology, um, they hired a guy uh, by the name of Samuel Murray, uh, who was an inventor and had um, created a lot of uh, processes around uh, improved printing technology, but also uh, advanced printing uh, technology that added speed because they knew they were going to need more and more of these decks because people were seeking them out. So, uh, so they added, uh, added uh, Mr. Murray uh, to the company and he helped them develop some technology around printing. And um, their business proliferated. In, 18, uh, in the, uh, about 1883, 1884, uh, there was actually um, an employee contest for someone to develop another brand of playing cards. And uh, one of the designers um, was, the story that we understand, was uh, looking out his window uh, downtown Cincinnati, which was the, one of the very 
old, old first Cincinnati Enquirer buildings, which was where they worked out of. He's looking out over the city streets and he sees uh, all these people on the big wheel bikes. And the big wheel bike was all the rage. So um, he decided, wow, I'm going to design a deck of playing cards around that big wheel, the spokes. And that became the um, original bicycle deck. And, of course, named it Bicycle, presented it to uh, the company owners. And, of course, he, he won um, that contest. Huh. I have no idea what he was. Um, just because he likes bikes. Well, he just thought it was, un- it was unique. It was unique to the time. Um, and that the futuristic, um, there's not like 52 spokes on a bike. Well, he was thinking, you know, it was very trend setting, right? Uh, it was all the rage at the time. And there was this social movement. Everybody who was anybody wanted to be seen on one of those bikes. So that's how he developed that, that business and that brand. So that brand developed in 1885. It is the only continuously printed brand of playing cards in the world today with that same branding and a lot of the same imagery. Wow. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like the artwork is crazy. Yeah. Like so intricate. Yeah. And that's called the rider back. So that unique design, um, some people refer to it as a winged angel or a winged uh, cherub riding on, you know, speedily on a, on a bicycle in this idyllic, you know, background environment there. Um, but this is, this is what almost every magician today, because it's so recognized around the world, that specific card back. You will see all of the world's best magicians want to use this playing card. The reason being is it gives them legitimacy because right. you play with it. You probably play Euchre or poker or some other social game, right? So you know it. So you trust it. And if you look at, at, at our decks of cards, it says, trusted since 1885, right? Nah. So every consumer trusts the card. Every magician trusts the card. And the, the and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about why magicians like the card in a minute, as well as other card players. But, um, but that specific design gives them a lot of legitimacy because you entrust that, hey, that's the same card that I can buy at retail. So they can't be fooling me or cheating you, right? They're using the exact same card. Of course, we all know magicians mark cards and do special things to the back of those cards so they can identify... Um, you know, which card's which. So what's really cool, though, about um, these cards are the the way that we make our paper, we can control a lot of characteristics on this card. So we control the handling characteristics for those magicians. And it's not just the paper. It's the way that we print. It's the way that we emboss because we're the only company in the world that post-embosses a playing card, meaning that once we've printed that and we put those coatings you get that, you can feel that or see that kind of yeah. uh, what we call a cambric finish or embossed finish. And um, that finish is gives the floating characteristics. Now, you know, so when you pitch, it'll float across the table. So there's just enough embossing that gives you that air cushion finish between the cards so they don't stick together. That's what creates that handling characteristic. We're the only company in the world that's actually been able to figure out how to fracture that coating in the post-embossing process without damaging the card. So it's very unique. Um, in addition, our punching capability. So the way we cut and punch a card, we're still doing it the way we did it back in the 40s. So we've 
automated our machinery, we've re-engineered our machinery, but we're still doing it to those very exacting specifications because that is something that not just uh, magicians, but other card players, they say, man, I love that edge cut. I love that feel. I love the caliper, the way the card handles. Wow. So we've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, how do the other brands get introduced? Because you make many brands. Yeah, so you're right. We make a number of different brands. Bicycle is the homegrown brand, as are, are some other brands. Um, but uh, back in um, 19... Boy, I'm probably going to mess that one. I'm trying to remember the, day, the date when we acquired um, a company called uh, New York Consolidated Doherty. You'll see that. That's our B brand of playing cards. And this company, uh, and that's what, what uh, U.S. Playing Card did, is they went and they acquired a number of the um, best playing card brands throughout the country and incorporated them into the portfolio. But B became the casino brand of playing cards. And then we, we uh, in 2004, uh, right around that time, we acquired the Hoyle brand, which was, if you went west of the Mississippi, that was the card brand that most people played with. So at the turn of the century, there were dozens, maybe even a few hundred playing card manufacturers uh, throughout the United States. And like with anything over time, you know, efficiency and inefficiency and consolidation and market change, uh, acquisitions. So that's how we build our portfolio of brands. Wow. So are those cards any different or are they just, is it just yeah. the, the so, frame? So the difference is a couple different things. So um, there are different we use a casino grade card stock, which helps for that durability and in, inside of a shuffler. So we have the ability because we develop and we, we laminate our own paper, our own card stock in house. We actually can create a playing card that uh, is suitable for a specific environment. So if you go out to Vegas, it's desert, right? Very dry, <coughs> high, high heat temperatures and paper is reactive to its environment. So when you go out to Vegas, if you had a, a, a card with a lot of moisture in the paper, it would bow because that paper is going to react to that very dry environment. On the other hand, if you went down to Mississippi, got a very humid, moist environment, you want more moisture in the paper. And that's what being able to laminate our own cardstock allows us to do, is we can control the characteristics specific to that market environment so that it performs at an optimal rate in things like uh, shufflers, for one, but also in hand-pitched games. Wow. Now, so we do a lot of things that are very different. We've got uh, different packages for um, uh, coatings, depending on how that card's going to be used. Uh, one of the, the newest um, uh, uses of playing cards today called cardistry. So if you can think of, um, and you guys got to go look these up on YouTube because there are a million videos out there. Um, this is juggling with a deck of cards, and it's an incredible art form that it's not magic, but it is it is manipulation of these cards in their hands to create literally like origami in the air, and it's incredible to watch. It's a beautiful visual, um, and we do a lot of card back designs that um, for the purpose of helping those artists display their art form give them a really unique visual. So to the layperson, 
is it the, between aviator and bee and bicycle? Is yeah. There, in the consumer? Yeah, there is a big difference. So okay. um, one of the things with bicycle, of course, you know, bicycle is, is more about family play and social play. Uh, it's not that you wouldn't play poker with bicycle cards, but that's not typically the core consumer. But if you went and you said uh, Aviator, which um, is one of our brands, it's a smooth finish card. And when it was created, uh, it was actually created uh, as a tribute uh, to the flight across the Atlantic. And that's where that came about, Charles Lindbergh, his historic flight. So it was a tribute to him. And uh, But that has a smooth finish. And the, kind of the idea behind that, though, was there are certain players that play games like Pinochle that didn't want that particular finish. So everybody, what's really interesting about cards is there's a lot of different taste buds out there. What you like might not be what he likes or what she likes. So you're looking for variances in, in, uh, to some degree. Like I said, B, it's all about the quality and durability and it stands up to the casino standards. Uh, bicycle, perfect for social play, great for magic. Uh, clearly, it's it's been adopted by magicians worldwide. And then Aviator, that's a slightly more economical brand. It lends itself more to, you, you'll find it a lot in inner city bodegas and in games like Pinochle. Do you play cards? I don't. I am not a big card player. Were you um, ever, or did you kind of have so, to remove yourself yeah, as well, an expert? Kind of, sort of. So when I was a kid, I grew up playing cards. And, of course, um, I, I can remember the very first game that I was taught. Uh, it was uh, by my sister, who uh, was about five, six years older than me. She's five and a half years old. She just actually had a birthday the other day. Um, nice. So um, when you're eight and someone slightly older than you, teaches you a game where you get to say curse words, you know, all of a sudden that game's really cool, right? Uh, so um, it, we'll just uh, shorten that. It was called BS. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, you guys were know that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so that was literally the first game I can remember playing. And I was about eight years old. And after that, I couldn't wait to go and um, go to the park and play cards with my friends. So that happened a lot. I went to Williams Avenue uh, Grade School in Norwood. And um, we would, you know, ride on our bikes. I can remember sitting under the big uh, shade trees there, a couple picnic tables in the summer. And, you know, you'd go and you'd play uh, baseball. Uh, you'd, you'd hang out at the park. But then, you know, when you got tired, you hung out under in the shade, right? And you wanted something to do. So that's kind of where uh, playing cards for me took off. When I was in third grade, my f- uh, field trip from Mrs. Walker's third grade class was the United States Playing Card Company. That said, I did not have this boyhood fascination that someday I'd get the opportunity to come back and lead the company. That became uh, entirely uh, coincidental. Uh, But I spent uh, a lot of years playing uh, sports and that kind of thing right across the street from the plant at Doral Field there in Norwood. Yep. And, um, yeah, so uh, for I me... I went to the old plant. Oh, yeah. When you guys had the gift shop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where you could come in and buy... Yeah, like overruns or there you go. stock or stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that's been a while. I mean, we've been in Norwood or we've been out of Norwood now uh, since just about 2009. You know, over in Erlanger, and I love that old building. That that clock tower had just yeah. this incredible meaning. And I I tell people this story all the time. I said when I was a kid, you know, we used to ride our, our bikes down to Waterworks Park, and you know, we swam and played baseball and that kind of stuff. And um, 
Yeah, and that's a picture of the building you're talking about right yeah. there. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. But that little clock tower, we could see it from Waterworks Park, you know, in the swimming pool or at the baseball field. And we used to use that because uh, when I was a kid growing up, my dad, uh, he worked at National Stellaries here in Cincinnati, and he'd get home, you know, and boom. If, I tell you what, if you were home by 4.30, uh, you know, dinner was on the table. So, boom, at 4 o'clock, we knew we had to take off. That is one of those indelible things that, you know, as you're growing up as a kid that just has an, an, a powerful place in, in my personal history. So Yeah, I grew up in St. Bernard, so oh, okay. we my, play baseball over there. You there you go, yeah. yeah. Yeah, my, my dad is a graduate of St. Bernard High School. So am I. No the kidding. Mighty Titans. Yeah. That's right. There you go. Yeah. That's so fun. So, you, but then eventually you got out of playing cards, or was it once you were around it all the time? Well, you, got... you know, I think it's kind of one of those things that you just, um, you, uh, I, I was never one to gamble or anything like that. It's what was, I'm, I stink at it. So, <laughs> you know, if you don't, if you're not good at something, you probably don't want to do it. Um, but when I was a kid, it was just a little bit different. I mean, we used to put them in our spokes. Now, um, what's the best card for that? Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you uh, that's a great question. Uh, I can't really remember what we used. <laughs> My guess is back then we probably were using something pretty cheap uh, versus maybe a deck of bicycle. But, um, but yeah, we used to put them in our spokes and make them, you know, click, um, you know, like, like we had motors on our, our bikes. Um, but for me, um, it just, I love the artwork. The artwork is just powerful. I can't explain it. But, man, when you look at the Ace of Spades and you see, you know, the Goddess of Liberty in that spade, I don't know what it is. There's just a really uh, incredible, powerful uh, symbolism there. And um, I don't know, maybe it's the, the freedom that, you know, she represents on the, on the spade. And, and, um, and the inspiration for that was actually, um, you know, the, the, the uh, Goddess of Freedom uh, that sits on top of her Capitol building in Washington. So there's just really cool stuff in the artwork. And that's what, I mean, you know, and you guys do some some shirts with us. And that artwork is absolutely spectacular. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think that's my connection uh, more to the playing card. I love magic. I love the design uh, behind the playing cards. I love the history. Uh, I love the history of the company. Um, you know, I'm a born and bred. I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Norwood, um, a Cincinnati guy. And this is iconic Cincinnati for me. Yeah. So how'd you end up uh, running the company then? So uh, long story, I'll make it really short. I was actually um, uh, in on a plane uh, in Chicago, um, sat next to a guy. We get to chick chat and he happens to be a recruiter. He says, um, we get to talk and he asks what I do. I ask what he did. We're sitting there, I'm reading the newspaper. He says, Hey, I, I got a job. I, I'm, I'd be interested in sharing with you if you don't mind hearing. I said, oh, shoot, you know, it's we got a two-hour flight. What did you do at that time? Uh, I was working um, for a company called Pactive, which is hefty trash bags, Reynolds Aluminum Foil, mm -hmm. uh, in Chicago, and uh, was running the consumer division there. And so he, I said, well, shoot, what do you got? And he says, um, well, he says, you've never heard of this company. It's called the United States Playing Card Company, and uh, they're in Erlanger, Kentucky. I go, no, no, no. I said, they're over on Beach Street in Norwood, Ohio. And the guy's head spins like Chucky, right? And he goes, how the heck do you know that? And I said, well, I said, um, I grew up pretty much across the street. Um, I said, I, I grew up in Norwood. I, you know, I told him this story. I said, my field trip, like that kind of thing. He goes, Oh my gosh, he says, I've told a hundred people, he said, about this job. He said, and when I tell them, the first reaction I get is, they make playing cards in the United States still? 
<laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, they do. And he said, uh, and so, so anyway, we get to talking and, um, and it was to run the casino division. And here I am a non-gambler and I don't have any, uh, real experience. Um, I have one claim to fame. Uh, my first and, and, uh, first trip out to a casino was I was standing on the corner, uh, when Tupac Shakur was shot. Oh. And uh, admiring the lights and the hotels and that kind of thing, and didn't even know what what I saw. Um, and how far away were you? Uh, Thirty feet, maybe forty feet. Yeah, yeah we were standing right there in the corner, and, and that was the night of the fight. Right? Yeah, were you there it, for it the... sure was, and that's exactly why. So I had went out. I was going out to Palm Springs for a meeting with some friends uh, that I worked with at the time. I worked for uh, another consumer products goods company. And we had a meeting out in Palm Springs, and we had to be out there Sunday. So we go out Thursday, and uh, I joined in because I'd never been to Vegas, thought it would be cool. And uh, after I lost a couple hundred bucks, it wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> and uh, so I said, hey, I'm, uh, I, I want to go walk the strip. And one of the guys said, yeah, let's do that. So we decided we'd walk down to MGM because of the fight, see all the eclectically dressed people and the, all the gold and the swag that was taking place there. And we're walking on our way back, and we're just kind of sauntering, enjoying the night. It's a great night. And uh, standing there, looking around, <laughs> admiring all the, you know, like New York, New York, and all the buildings, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, pop, pop, pop. And we didn't even know what happened. And, you know, um, I had no idea, you know, even who Tupac Shakur was. So, but who we, shot him? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> You've been holding out. Yeah, you were uh, on the grassy knoll. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it's so funny how that happens, and you think you saw something. I saw a couple cars, you know, kind of convene, and yeah, you just heard that, that sound, you didn't, and boom, it was done. So, but that was how I actually, that was my first experience That's of being crazy. in a casino. So, um, so I, so I got asked to, so the job was to come run the casino group, the casino division. Uh, the president of that, that division, a uh, portion of the division there for the company, he was retiring. And uh, so I came in and uh, and it was cool. They didn't want somebody with experience in casinos. They want somebody that, you know, had a little bit different leadership characteristics and different approach and a different style and that kind of thing. So I got that job and I came in. That was 2010, July 2010. And uh, after uh, about a year or so, um, the company CEO said, hey, he says, yeah, uh, how about running global sales? Sure, why not? So I did that, and I had a lot of global experience. I worked uh, internationally in, in my previous jobs and uh, took over that role, and then in uh, 2014 became president of the company. Wow. And so, yeah, so uh, wasn't a plan. Uh, didn't, again, have this boyhood dream, but um, a, l- a lot of people believe in, in fate and that you know there's a higher power with a plan for you, and my wife said, "Wow, this must be a plan." So that's crazy. Yeah, we, we jumped. So, on. are there ups and downs in the uh, play playing card business, or is it just you know Vegas needs those cards, yeah. or you're just well, no, that's, that's actually yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, uh, yeah, like in any business, uh, there are cycles and there are ups and downs. Um, when when traffic is not strong at at the casino, sure, it has an impact on your sales and your volume because. Depending on how many hands they you know uh, they play at, at these tables and in these card games determines you know how many decks with, that we sell them. But the the nice thing is there's a really this is a great a really diversified business. You've got your casino business, you've got your retail business, and we've got a really really cool and unique custom business. And so we make cards for not just the world's top magicians, the pen and tellers, the David Blaines. Um, 
We also do custom decks for companies and businesses and artists. And some of the world's greatest artists exploit their talent on a deck of cards. One of the very, very first ever Kickstarter projects that was funded was a deck of playing cards. Wow. An artist decided they would put their art in that medium because it was affordable for them to do that and share that. And they developed a nice small business doing that. So there are, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of artists, and it's one of the fastest-growing portions of our business. What's the minimum quantity that you need? 2,500 decks. It's not a lot. Yeah, 2,500 decks. And, and we've got artists that some artists, I can tell you, they can sell their works for $30 a deck. Think about that. Who buys a deck of playing cards? For $30 a deck? Well, apparently a lot because we're talking tens of thousands of decks annually that are custom that we make. And we sold a lot of the Fiona ones. Oh, absolutely. That that was great. Yeah, we love that. That was a great little uh, partnership with the zoo. We actually, um, we just a couple weeks ago launched a partnership called Frontline Leaders. So if you guys go back, you remember the uh, deck of uh, Iraqi um, I have 50, a deck. 55 oh, yeah. Most Wanted. Yeah, yeah the, the 55 oh, yeah, Most yeah. Wanted. So um, <laughs> I actually had an author. Um, her name's Marjorie K. Eastman, and she approached me. Uh, she had written a book about her experiences in Iraq as a commander in an intelligence uh, division. And she was, she went in writing her book, she interviewed a lot of soldiers, but she told them her story um, and her experience. So she was in the intelligence uh, division, and um, one of her cohorts there, uh, his name's Hans Mums. He was the intelligence officer that actually created the deck of fifty-five most wanted. So the way he did it was he was sitting around with a bunch of special operators, and they were playing cards, spades, and he said they played every night, and you know to have something to do. And he said, "Thought, man, how do I help these guys?" So he created. 55 cards with those most wanted despots in Iraq. And he put them on some, you know, stiffer paper, put them on a printer, cut them out with just a guillotine cutter, sheet cutter, and made these decks, awful decks of cards. (laughs) And they played with them. And he had uh, somebody from one of the uh, SEAL teams tell him, you know what, you got to find a way to get these into all the operator's hands. So... He's working with Marjorie, and Marjorie's cutting these decks and making sure that they're getting as many into the special operator's hands as they can. And then he, somebody tells him about U.S. playing card. He goes, oh, my gosh, what better thing to do than have the United States playing card company print these cards for us? So um, we printed over 5 million decks the, of those cards. Uh, they made their way all around the world. And they're still talked about by a lot of, uh, of yeah. the veterans. So Marjorie came to us with this really cool idea. Um, she wanted to do a kind of a, a project to help benefit some veterans charities. And so she created the, the deck and we printed it for her. And we're actually selling it on uh, bicycle cards, uh, shopbicyclecards.com. And the deck, uh, we thought, oh, you know, how's this thing going to sell? Boom. We were sold out in about 40 minutes. Uh, we had a great opportunity just a couple of weeks ago, uh, myself and one of our, our, our folks from our custom team, uh, Tim, uh, Tiffany Mahan, and we got to present on stage live at the Grand Ole Opry. 
And uh, so this has created this real unique where these 52 companies are featured on the cards. And these 52 companies are all veteran-owned businesses who give back a portion of their proceeds to veteran charities to support helping troops, in some cases, assimilate back into civilian life, but to also establish careers. And these are really, really good companies and really, really good folks. Um, so last week, that, that's just something that kind of came out of that. But yeah. And so when you do a custom deck, I assume the backs are all still the same. You just change the nope, face? Nope, we do it all. Um, we change everything. and, and that, it, it, No, we, no, no, I mean like... In that custom deck, that every back is the same. Uh, yeah. Oh, sure. Well, right. yeah. The back is want, always the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The back is always the same. And uh, and there's kind of a, a picture of the deck that was created that we were just talking Frontline about leaders. called Frontline Leaders. And um, and it's very cool when you can uh, help someone like this raise money for a really special cause. But yeah, you're right. All the backs will always be the same. On the face cards, um, those are a little bit different. Yeah. Can you can you tell us the history of just the playing card, like how it got to be two, yeah. two through ten? Why there was never like ace was always a one, and yep. king queen jack. Yeah. So my personal favorite, the yeah, Joker. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so it's pretty interesting. So uh, from what I can read from uh, you know the the books on playing card history. Um, Cards started in around the 12th, 13th century, and they were actually used um, as a taxing mechanism. And so, you know, back during the time of kings and queens, thus you have kings and queens on the court cards, right, Uh, and jokers, and the cards were used as a taxing mechanism, but then people began to play with them. Well, the difference, the, the problem that they had was really only people could afford them were royalty or people who were well off had businesses. So royalty would have a full deck of playing cards. And not all decks were made of 52 cards at that point. There were, um, we, we have a company, um, a division called Fournier Playing Cards in Vitoria, Spain. And Spanish decks are only 46 cards because very specific games were created by uh, each of these kingdoms. For entertainment of their people. Hmm. So with that, you got the development of variations in games that required different cards. So that's why you may get twos, threes, fours, and some decks you won't. The Joker, I, I don't know where the Joker came from. And there's not a ton of history on that. I think it's most anecdotal. No one really knows the sure. true story of how it was created. But I would say, based on what I can read, the whole court jester was um, an opportunity for that card to be introduced somewhere because court jesters were entertainers uh, back during um, you know the, the early days of the development of playing cards. So because playing cards, when you bought them, you didn't buy them. You didn't buy a full deck of playing cards. You bought them by the piece. And a poor fellow like you, you couldn't afford but five or six cards. So that's where the saying, he's not playing with a full deck, came from. Because you learned how to play games with those five or six cards. That's so great. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that's so great. So yeah. start out like Pokemon. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. You so you accumulated a deck. That's exactly the way Pokemon took place, too. So, um, <laughs> so you accumulated until you created 
a deck of 52. And again, remember, if you go to France, um, cards will look very different. If you go to Germany, they'll look very different. Because these cards emanated mostly from Europe and, and Asia, the cards were part of kingdoms. So that's why you get different face styles, you get different card counts, because games were different and varied by country, which they still do today. Is there a, is there a similar story to hearts, spades, clubs, diamonds, how those became... You know, that's the part I don't know. Huh. I don't uh, know that. We'll have to do yeah. some Googling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's wild. That is, that is so cool. So how did we end up with 50, the the deck that we had? Was it, yeah. did it come over as 52 or did it, once it was in America, yeah. we yeah. took it yeah. and developed I, I wish I, I wish I knew that part of the history. Um, and I don't. Um, uh, that's a great question. I don't know. And do you sell cards overseas in decks of 52? Or like you said, in some yeah. countries it's... Yeah, for us, everything we do is really a 52-deck card, with exception in Spain, where we create uh, uh, 46, and I believe there might be a 53, depending upon um, the game. And it's just like, you know, some people will want jokers because they're going to use those in different card games. Um, and we've got a... a, a, a you don't have a euchre set for the west side of Cincinnati. We we, we don't, but you know what? We get <laughs> totally. requests all the time. I bet you totally. Was That's I a pain just, in the butt separating them. Yeah, I just like you to buy more cards and yeah. then you know um, find another game for those other cards. Him. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, you also need the uh, the fours and the sixes to keep score. With, sure. So. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a number of games that require different numbers and different card counts and that kind of thing. Um, you know, one of the uh, fast-growing uh, casino games, believe it or not, uh, is a game called uh, Spanish 21. And it doesn't use 10s. And, uh, but all our decks have 10s in them, right? Uh, but for the casino, we have an automated uh, process where we can actually ma- uh, save them labor. And we can remove those um, through a specialized approach to sorting to make sure they can open a table faster. Wow. Yeah. So you said one casino about twenty five million decks. So if you go to Macau, Macau is is the largest gambling enclave in the world. And Macau, formerly a Portuguese colony, uh, was returned. Uh, I think it was right around, I think nineteen ninety nine, if I remember right, uh, to the Chinese. You've probably read something about that area, but it it's about almost it's like forty eight billion dollars a year comes across the tables in gambling revenue. So there is a lot of play, right? And they're using a lot of cards. Well, the the game that they play the most is Baccarat. And um, again, to eliminate cheating or any kind of dealer collusion, they want to use the card one time and be done. In addition to what I explained earlier about what we called squeeze play, where they're manipulating and and rubbing the card and bending it and folding it. If you went there, you'd see these massive, massive casinos um, using anywhere from 5 million decks a year to 25 million decks a year. Wow. Use the card one time? One time and done. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I think I still have a deck of cards Uh, from when I was four that my parents... (laughs) Well, yeah. I actually have a deck. I have an aviator deck from my third grade field trip. Yeah. Stayed in my parents' desk drawer forever. I'd love so. to be on that call when the uh, the sales rep from uh, U.S. Playing Card <laughs> yeah. was, you know, maybe this girl's first day at work or whatever, <laughs> and she gets the call from the, you know, guy beating her up on price for, I'm buying 
25 million of these yeah. things. Yeah. Like a fire, yeah. 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 Fire up the press. That's yeah. crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our price breaks on t-shirts are 72, 144, <laughs> 288. Yeah. We don't have a 25 million price break. Mm-hmm. Are they printed over in Erlanger? I'm, we yeah. print everything that we do in Erlanger with the exception of the cards that we print in Spain. Um, and of course, everything that we print in Spain is not under our bicycle brand. We only print our bicycle brand here uh, in Erlanger. Yeah, yeah. We're still uh, we're incredibly proud to uh, be made in the USA. I probably should have looked this up so that I don't make a jerk of myself. But when did the plastic cards like the? Do you guys have Cam or Copag? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both yeah. of those. Cam, Cam is ours. Copag okay. is actually a Brazilian brand. Okay. Um, still partially family owned. Well, then I have Cam cards. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cam <laughs> Cam is clearly so. Cam is unique. Cam uh, is not plastic. It's not uh, plastic. No. Everybody always everybody tells you it's yeah, plastic. It's like don't plastic. Yeah. You can put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. So <laughs> so if you went to some of those other brands, uh, Copag is one you mentioned. Are um, and please don't put your Cards in the dishwasher. No, I'm um, just saying it was always seen, like a weird. Yeah, have you seen what it does to a Rubbermaid container? Yeah, it does the same to your cards. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll fold them up, good. especially if you left the the heat function on. Uh, it, it it is a blend of it's called cellulose acetate. It is a blend of wood pulp and acetone to create a polymer type material, which is a pellet that gets extruded into sheets. Then those sheets, and it takes, by the way, six weeks to make a deck of chem cards. Oh, man. Isn't that they're crazy? They're so nice. Oh, they're so nice. They're so Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. And that's what the best casinos in the world want to use in their poker rooms. The reason being is um, chem cards don't have memory. So if, you, you know, if you're a poker player and you know, you're peaking, boom. Yeah. They slam back down, right? If that was a paper card, you could fold them. You could also mark it. So... Chem cards are very resistant to marking, whereas PVC cards, you can mark those with a fingernail or a little scratch. So creating advantage to play. And obviously, we know that leads to gunfights Yeah, back in the day. So. Yeah, well, I used to host a poker night uh, every Tuesday. What happened? Used uh, to. Oh, family happened. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear kids, yeah. Life gets in the way. Get in the way, right? I mean, but you know. That tells you what time of my life it was that it, that we could have a poker night and it was on a Tuesday. Oh, there you and go. Not, it didn't have to be on. Yeah, a it didn't weekend. have to be on for a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, you know, we were just going through decks. Yeah. And, and and without having the knowledge that you're sharing with us today, it was just grab a deck of cards, not sure. not knowing that there's different mm-hmm. decks for what game you're playing. Well, your so. friends would never cheat you, right? I mean, not well, to no, win, not no. to win fifty bucks. No, it wasn't cheating. It was more just <laughs> the overall use of them. Yeah. You know, and absolutely. Uh, and somebody told us, told me about the Cam yeah, cards. Well, Ken, yeah, Ken, I, yeah, Cam are incredible. Um, and like I said, I mean, uh, the world's finest casinos, that's what they want in their poker rooms. And if they aren't the best casinos, sometimes they'll use something lesser. Yeah. Don't you guys have a big competitor based in Las Vegas? Not in Las Vegas. Um, we have a competitor. So um, in, in retail, we really, our competitors are cheap imports. And they can't come close to the quality of the card or the handling characteristics or any of the things that I explained earlier. But you know what? 
they'll beat you every damn price, right? Because they're they're making them in China Trust out me, of the box board. Yeah, that's there you every go. Business. Yeah, yeah. 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 A, a documentary yeah. on one of the cable channels about <coughs> this competitor was uh, kind of making inroads because they were they were based right in Las Vegas. Maybe they've moved since. No, there. no. There's nobody in Las Vegas that produces cards. There, uh, we've got a couple competitors. One out of Japan. Uh, they're in the casino space. Yeah, they make a good car- quality card, and they're they're very dominant in uh, the Asian market. They're not n- nearly as strong in the U.S. Um, and then there is a company um, in Blue Springs, Missouri, that produces a casino card, but it's not in retail either. So really, mm-hmm. our real competition is on the casino side. But they don't. Again, they don't. They where they are where the, we differentiate dramatically from them is. We can control our card characteristics for the environment uh, that they're going to be played in. So we're much more efficient in shufflers. Uh, we don't stick. Uh, our competitors, their big challenge is that they use the exact same material from the exact same suppliers, um, and they don't have any differentiating properties. So um, not highly specialized. When have, have you, I feel like I've seen, have you guys partnered with, or have made your own like uh, game sets, like like you buy a deck of cards and chips to go with it, mm. or things like that. Have, has that ever been a part of? Yeah, your business? and I know in your business, you guys probably experienced some of this too. So uh, back when you were playing uh, cards pretty actively. Uh, before all those big commitments that you went and made. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> the real gambling started. That's right. That's right. That's right. When lo- the gambling of life. Um, uh, we were making our uh, own poker sets, poker chips, that kind of thing. Over- I thought I bought it. Yeah. I, when I bought the, I thought I bought a yeah. chip set and yeah. all kinds of yeah. stuff there. Yeah. Over time, um, you know, everybody, it, it become commoditized. And you started getting a lot of cheap product out of China, and we just couldn't compete in that space. So we said, you know what? It's not what we do extremely well, and we went back to our core, which is we make playing cards. Yeah. And that's what we stayed focused on, and we really want to be able to do that here in the States and do it extremely well. So that's why we're not making um, – you know, we could we could do that. We could do a license deal and that kind of thing, but we're not adding any real value for the consumer in giving them something that's better. So if I can't give them something that's better and I'm just kind of a me too out there, uh, you know, it's not a space that we, we choose to be Are in. Are you guys still doing licensed decks of cards like with – I remember when I was Jack over there. Jack Daniels, when I was Coke, over, yeah, absolutely. I bought uh, – I remember I was in the gift shop and I, I was trying to just get some poker chips and cards and I saw these Transformer cards that were like the old school cartoon Transformers. Sure. And the, the – um, the outside of the box had like a hologram on it that was either Optimus Prime or Megatron. And if mm-hmm. you just yeah. twisted the deck, it would change. Oh, yeah. So that's called lenticular. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you got you had them in like cases. And I bought yeah. like four cases. And I've been selling them on eBay ever since <laughs> because people love those like old school oh, stuff. Yeah. But I thought, how cool would that be? To get the call, yeah. like for somebody my age who's like super nostalgic, sure. to be like, "Hey, this is you know so and so from Disney or Lucasfilm. Yeah. We need to make some yeah. Star Wars decks of cards." Well, you, like I, I'm guessing uh, you were probably playing cards. Call it the early '90s, real heavily, right? Early '90s into the early 2000s. It was early 2000s. Yeah, 
I was in high school. I graduated in 95, and it was right after I became a full-time comic, so oh. 2000, 2003-ish. Yeah. 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 So um, so we called that the poker craze, right? Everybody had a oh, yeah. Texas Hold'em. ESPN was putting oh, things yeah. on TV yeah, for the absolutely. first time. Texas yeah. Hold'em, poker, all those things. That was the poker craze. So, boom, everything was selling. It didn't matter what you put on it. You know, you could have put Transformers on a deck of playing cards, and boom, they would sell. When um, When that tailed off a little bit and um unfortunately that that crowd became too serious and they got you know real jobs real lives kids that kind of stuff all my friends um the the poker craze kind of tailed off so right around 2007 2010 and also everybody had a lot of disposable income back then or more money it it appeared that they did um and uh so that started to wane a little bit and licensed playing cards didn't sell as well so you still have your, your standards. You've got Coca-Cola, you know, you've got Jack Daniels. But guess what? You put Transformers or Star Wars on a deck of cards today, doesn't sell all that great. Just doesn't. There's not that same kind of crowd out there that will, you know, run through a retail store and see it and impulsively needs buy both it. both of those things. They right. want Star Wars and a deck But of where cards. that market is really growing dramatically for us is there's a huge collector's market out there. And actually one was in town at our facility just this uh, past Friday. Um, that had flown in for uh, a convention that he was attending in, um, I think, up in Cleveland. And uh, he collects tons of, all he collects are bicycle. And then there's co- there's collectors that say, you know what, I want to collect old airlines. Because back in the day when you, uh, you yeah. get on an airline, they give you a deck of cards. Yeah. Uh, or banks would give these things away. Or businesses would give them away. You guys would say, hey, you know, with every purchase, boom. And you'd leave it. It was almost like a, a calling card. And uh, which, by the way, I do recommend it would be a great addition for your business. Yeah, but, sure. Um, sure. Absolutely. It, it would. It'd be very cool. Um, so those cards were something that uh, has become a collector's item. And there's still a huge collector's market out there. Those folks, when they buy them, they buy one deck to never open. And they'll buy a deck to open so they can see the surprise inside. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Or, the old play, or the old Playboy yeah. days. Of oh, like, uh, oh, yep, oh, yep, yeah. yep, absolutely. Getting into grandpa's. Yeah. Those uh, were, look at these. Yep, <laughs> those were out there. Yeah, there were a few, a few of those businesses. Hooters did uh, annual calendars, and they also did uh, annual decks of cards for years and years and years. So NASCAR. NASCAR did uh, decks of cards. So a lot of, you know, a lot of proliferation of licensed products out there. But, it's you know, at some point that market um just kind of dried up a little bit and or shifted into now what's really sought after are these super premium ornate designs and it's the outside box what we call the tuck case that you want it embossed where it's raised and you've you've got a tactile feel different finishes unique foiling on the outside gilding on the edges these kinds of things those are collectors decks and you'll see those things selling for 10 15 20 25 bucks we had a deck that we did. We, you know, unicorns were pretty popular, and they've been popular for a long time. Uh, but last year we launched a unicorn deck, and you know, it blew our socks off. The response to that because <laughs> everyone wanted a unicorn. I mean, I saw unicorn pool, pool floats and uh, a number of different items out there. But that deck, we we put some uh, really cool, spectacular finishes on the the the, the box. And do you ever feel like uh, you're putting out a product so good that people aren't going to need to continue to buy your product? 
No. Does that sound? Is that a dumb so, question? So, so, so... Yeah, um, I mean, how many decks of cards do you need? But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I buy that chem deck because I was tired of buying other decks, you know, so yeah. often or having a giant stack. But you know why you buy that chem deck? Because you love poker. But you're never going to play euchre with that deck. You're never going to play spades with that deck. You're right. You're not probably going to play BS with that deck, right? And you're sure as heck not going to play Baccarat with that deck. So there's a different deck for a variety of different needs. You know, and that was your kind of question earlier. Why do you have all these brands and all these decks? There's different uses and different needs. And, um, you know, we we make things very specific to, um, you know, its purpose. It's use, yeah. yeah, it's use. Yeah. So why don't you guys team up with, say, Tops or, you know, a, a, a baseball card company? Say. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I remember getting the, you know, getting the cards, sure. open them up, and then, you know, thumbing through them a little bit. Then, like, the corners are all dented. Then they're not worth anything. So if you guys have the technology to make a card that doesn't do any of that, yeah. then why don't they uh, make baseball cards out of these things? So a um, couple different co- uh, reasons. Uh, so... Back in the day, way before I arrived at U.S. Playing Card, they actually do, did make uh, trading cards, baseball trading cards. Yeah. Um, and, of course, when I was a kid, there were a number of brands. There weren't just tops. There were a number of brands of, of playing cards. And and remember, a lot of times those cards get, were giveaways, too. You'd get them, you know, like in a pack of cigarettes. They have three baseball cards as kind of a promotion vehicle. Um, so U.S. Playing Card printed a lot of that kind of thing. When you think about these are uh, clearly two different companies with two very different objectives, and we don't want to just print anything to be a printer. Um, As I say, you got the printers. Right. (laughs) We're a highly specialized printer, and the uniqueness of our paper isn't something you don't need those characteristics in a baseball card, per se. And most of those are, 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 you know, going to, well, we used to stick those in our our uh, spokes. spokes as well. Um, we were destructive children, but um, but yeah, tops. I mean, that's another kind of collectible, and 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 they've gotten very very expensive. I mean, you know, used to when I was a kid, of course, a a, a pack of cards was a quarter. Um, you know, and you got a really nice stale piece of chewing gum with that. Um, today, heck, I've seen baseball cards that are They're ten cheap. ten bucks for four cards. And, and and that's maybe even on the low end. Now, there's not as big of a collector's market as there is uh, for, for that as when I was growing up either. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, two different businesses, two completely different business models. Just doesn't I kind of sure. like that idea, yeah. though, if it's possible. If you just – I don't know if there's a way to sort it, but, like, let's say you have, like – 150 different Reds players, right? Mm-hmm. They all have the same back. And, you know, like, I, I want the, the number 14 or the number 14. But I want, you know, like a Joe Morgan 8. But then somebody there's another one that's a different number 8. And every pack of cards is a yeah. little bit different. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of yeah. like that idea. Is there going to be, a, be a digital aspect to it uh, with the Internet? And, well, you know, people not yeah. really playing the... the the live and the flesh physical cards. I mean, I'm sure they obviously yeah. they still are, but here's the know. difference. You know, deck of playing cards in the digital world. There's it's uh, digital is not social, and it really does bring people together. Right? It does bring families together. It does bring friends together. And you have a lot of fun. I mean, sure, you can put your headset on and you know and and play Mortal Kombat uh, against a bunch of players all over the world and whatever. And you, but 
there is, there are people who really want to disconnect from that. And that's that's us. We're the company that's going to help people disconnect, create some really memorable moments with card. I, I guarantee you remember playing with your buddies and some of the things and the antics that went on at that ta- at those room. tables yeah. in the room. And that's what's important to us is that it's that social connection that we create with the deck of cards. I understand your question, though. Could that eliminate that? I would say, and this is just me speaking, but back in probably the 30s into the 40s, somebody said, oh, my goodness, somebody at U.S. Playing Card. Guys, they're coming out with this thing called radio. What is that going to do to card play? And then the next president had that same question. <laughs> Guys are coming out with this thing called television. Oh, my gosh. People aren't going to socialize. They're not going to play cards, right? Yeah. Okay. These things have been around since 12th century. They'll, they're not going to be going anywhere soon. <laughs> Great. So I believe uh, cards are here to stay for a very, very long time. And, and, and as you know, president of the company, I mean, that is, that is the legacy that I hope that myself and my team can leave is that we, 100 years from now, Someone looks back at us like we do, Russell and Morgan, and say, wow, these folks really got it. They understood. And 100 years from now, we've got this great company as a result of the, of the groundwork that they did in ensuring that consumers still want to play cards. I also think there's a certain amount of cynicism, no matter how, how much people try to tell you um, that there's nothing to worry about or that everything's on the up and up, to playing cards online if you don't win, you feel like it's it's rigged. You, yeah, and I, there and is. I feel like even, even in a casino, like to play video poker or something like that, I I never get the same feeling that I'm getting this fair shake as if I have physical cards in my mm-hmm. hand and can look at other the people I'm playing against. So or think whatever. about that. If you're in a casino and you go to the table, you know exactly how many, and you're going to play blackjack. No, you know, <laughs> you know how many, you know how many decks of cards they're dealing from, right? They're dealing from, say, a four-deck shoe. So you know exactly how many aces are in that deck, how many two of clubs are in that deck. So you have some advantage, right? Right. The odds are pretty good. They're darn near 50-50, one of the best odds you can have in, in, in the game. The, and you're getting to make decisions. If you go to video poker or video blackjack, what you have no idea is what is the randomization in that deck? And I've seen a card get used. So now I know, okay, there's one less ace in the deck. No, you don't. Not in video. Yeah. And that's a real true game of chance and your odds just went down. So, you know, those are uh, a game like blackjack is a skill game. You know, it takes a little bit of mental aptitude it's also very social because you got these people sitting around the table uh, having a lot of fun. And, you know, when you're sitting, sometimes. you might as well sit. Yeah, well, sometimes, absolutely. But if you were sitting at that slot machine, you know, you're hitting that button. Oh, my goodness. You know, what, what is in that? You know? Yeah. It's mindless. It's mindless. Yeah. 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 That, um, that, that's your answer right there. There you go. I, I hate reading. Like, it's like, <laughs> seriously, like, even if I'm super into a book, yeah. it puts me to sleep. And the like one of the last books I read was Bringing Down the House about the MIT students. Oh, yeah. oh that's a good one. And yeah. it, it read like a movie to me, and I couldn't yeah. I couldn't 
put it down and they made a movie and it was it was okay but that story was fascinating about um not necessarily cheating but learning the math behind mm-hmm. probability behind when to strike and not strike and yeah. did it, is that why the, is that the only reason casinos have gone from you know like now we have six decks uh, versus one because well, it makes obviously, it harder yeah, to... absolutely, absolutely. The more decks you can introduce, you re, you know you reduce the uh, variables, um, and so absolutely, that's why you, you can't find. It's really almost impossible to find you know like one, one or two, two deck, deck yeah. blackjack Unless anymore. Like old Vegas, yeah. If you something. go down to old Vegas, and even then, it's really hard to find. And then they, have, of course, but but what I like is. That's where you can still find a $2 or $5 table, which is fine with me yeah. because I don't have those skills. I mean, when I sit down at a, a you know, a <laughs> table at Caesars, I know I'm done. Yeah. You know, uh, it was funny. I, I, your, your story about the MIT uh, guys, uh, and, and that's great. I, uh, I went to UC at night and, um, I came into my statistics class and there are three blackjack tables with three dealers. And our professor said tonight, we're learning odds. And this is literally, he was a rated player and fantastic guy. But that's how he taught us the statistical variation in, in how to understand odds is we played blackjack. And he goes, okay, you started out with one. Now you got two decks. Now you got three decks, et cetera. And it was a great way to learn. Yeah. Huh. That book a, was fast because that book yeah. sort of subtly teaches you how to count cards, sure, sure. you know, in the, in the right environment. Yeah, and it it did. It made it made math make a lot more sense when you're like, yeah. okay, I get it. You know, yeah. you got somebody who's counting, and yeah. they know when the it's the time is right to go all in yeah. or whatever. Right, and right, was, right. I was fascinated by it. I was just curious if. You know, if that part of it is completely out of your hands with the casinos, or if you yeah. guys are ever, um, it's completely out of our hands. Oh, you know what we do? To come up with no, ways to. We make you know. we make playing cards. We don't des- design game. We don't design uh, casino games. Um, we design uh, kids games. We we're, we're we're in the uh, we're launching some games around social play. Um, you know things that you probably maybe played. You know, Cards Against Humanity type games or. Or exploding kittens, and we've got some really cool games that we're launching in that space as well. Because, and the reason is, we know that um, as you do become an adult, uh, you want to be able to play f- things with um, you know couples, yeah. with with friends in a different environment, more social play. So we're designing a lot of games around that, and we're going to have some killer launches. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. I mean, when I think of the stuff that we do with our neighbors, like. Yeah. That's it. It's it still goes back to you know it doesn't have anything to do with technology. That's right. It's literally just yeah. sitting around. Yeah. Although I think all the games my kids got for Christmas involve poop or uh, <laughs> uh, pimple or some something yeah. something gross, and you play it once yeah. and you're like, okay, this is well, it. Well, I, I I tell people at, at the <laughs> office to say, you know, I said I, I you know playing cards are truly the original social network, and the reason I say that is, um, you know, growing up as a kid, I can remember my parents uh, played. Uh, what they call penny any rummy, and they had this little rummy tray. They had a number of uh, you know slots, and they put pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters. But they would have their friends over on a Friday or Saturday night, and you know somebody bring some lunch meat, and somebody bring beer, and boom. Next thing you know, that's what we did, and that's how you know I, a lot of my friends were friends of you know my parents' friends. Yeah, you know because you all socialize. The kids and you, went upstairs oh, that's right. To play and that's the right. We all we all did yeah. that, and you know, um, 
and you know people look back and some people look up nostalgic and say man that was a better time um i think when people start to think about you know we're all hooked to our phones and it's it's kind of the, it's become digital heroin for some people and they can't ever stop looking at their phone and um when you go out to dinner you see families you see four or five family members are all <laughs> sitting at the table on their yeah. phone and it's like they don't even yeah, talk anymore but if we can get a conversation around playing cards you create some really special moments for people and it's stuff that you remember all of your life and, yeah. and my my kids they go it, what's special for them is that their grandfather taught them how to play poker at a very early age. They were eight, nine years old. And they like poker. And, you know, they're, you know, 19 and 17. and But it's it's because their grandfather played and taught them. And that's what's powerful and meaningful. And that's where, you know, maybe that's for me. It's it's not, I'm not a gambler. I'm not a big card player. But, man, there is some powerful meaning behind that artwork and those cards. And it might just be that, you know, it's burned and in, ingrained into my memory. For sure. I mean, I'm, I'm some of my best friends from college I met because I didn't know anybody. And uh, they needed a fourth for spades. <laughs> <laughs> and, then yeah. I learned, and, then, and then everybody was like, you know, when I got out of college, everybody couldn't believe that. I didn't know how to play euchre, but I knew oh. how to play spades, and it's just. Yeah. But it's you're right. There's like it's like you're in your favorite song. Like there's something about like I look at this deck of cards, and instantly I'm thinking about college. I'm thinking about my buddies at my there house, who were you know coming yeah. over till one o'clock in the morning when we all had to yeah. be at work at seven thirty on a Tuesday night, right? You know? and, yeah, and uh, you're right. There's <laughs> you can't. There's nothing digital that'll give yeah. you that. So I don't know if you guys have so. seen this or not. You may, you probably probably have. Um, this is an app that we have called How to Play Bicycle How to Play. Uh-huh. It's in all the app stores. And um, if you're looking for different games, what's really cool about this is you can if you if you you go man, you know I, I used to play that and I can't remember the rules. This tells you exactly what to do, and in in and you don't have to read a book to figure it out. It gives you quick start guides on boom. Here's how you play the game. Here's how many players. Here's kind of the rules, and and there you go. Remember you to sit spades, right? Yeah. So you click on spades, boom. Tells you what's appropriate for the age, the number of players you can use, the rules. So you can sort by age. So I can say like, hey, I got a seven Absolutely. year old. What's a good game? To there teach you go. Absolutely. That's so great. That's yep, awesome. yep, yep. You can do all that. So. Yeah, it's really... Um, what's the name of the app? And So this is called uh, How to Play. Okay. And it's on. It's in any of the... It's in the Apple Bicycle. Store. And, okay. Yeah. But it's Bicycle. I want people to hear yeah. that because I feel like yeah. a lot of people would be... Well, what's really... Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that download this. They put it on their phone and they're looking for something different, you know, so they don't get stale. And, um, and they're looking for something fun and unique and maybe even uh, discover a different game. Now, is it is it just rules and that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, so the way there, this... Are there any games yep. to play on the app? Uh, there are no games okay. to play. We don't do digital games. Yeah, we want you to go yeah, yeah, buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, solitaire on there. Yeah, you know, and it's funny you say that. We we have we have thought about that. And it's, it's a bad idea. Um, but if you go out to the app store, you know, there million. are... Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. yeah, it's like 10 million uh, solitaire games and... You know, so but their solitaire doesn't have that design on the card. Very good. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, was, that's a great product idea. You sent um, out some cease and desists yep. for, uh, <laughs> for that? Oh, uh, yeah, a few. Uh, we, we get a lot of uh, infringers and um, and uh, folks that uh, don't respect your IP. And uh, sure, absolutely. we got to protect Damn. our... 
we got to protect our company's namesake. When we uh, first had discussions about making some apparel with a U.S. playing card, they shared some art with us from from old decks, yeah. and it is gorgeous. It's it, gorgeous, isn't it? and it's yeah. stuff that you don't even know is out there, mm-hmm. like that I certainly never knew was out there. Yeah. Is there a place people can can just look at art from old decks of cards? Yeah, not really. Okay. Um, there's uh, not like a repository where you can go out and do that. Coffee table um, book or something. Yeah, uh, there are. There's a lot of books out there that have been published on a number of uh, different decks and talks about their historic significance and when they were launched. Um, there's the uh, Encyclopedia of, of Playing Cards. Um, there's a lot of, of publications out there. And, of course, if you Google, um, you'll get thousands and thousands of images um, because people will buy things and share it and, and so forth. Um, looking forward, what I'm hoping we will have the opportunity to do is be able to share some of that artwork in a more digital format where people can go and explore and, and see all of that old artwork because... Um, you know, uh, when I'm long gone, uh, I want to make sure that people, uh, can have history of our company, have access to the history of our company, have access to the incredible artwork, um, you know, and, um, and there's a lot of learning opportunity there. And, and has design. there been any like art shows is like museum center or the yeah. art museum contact you about yeah. doing a, yeah. I mean, I, I think just putting them on display like I mean, from Joker's wild or the, those giant, Remember, remember yeah. that game card show? Sharks. Yeah. yeah, card sharks. Yeah, yeah. 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 just do like a, a an art yeah. show of giant printed out cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to be able to do all of that. <laughs> I feel like we're just sitting here going, yeah. "What about yeah. this? Yeah, what? <laughs> Let's get some new product." We did the same thing with Gorilla Glue. Yeah. We had them. Oh, awesome! We had all yeah. next year planned. For yeah, them. yeah. No, that's all right. I love I love Gorilla Glue. Uh, yeah, I, it's uh, that stuff sticky. Um, so, um, yeah, so you're right. I mean, there's a, a ton of, uh, really cool artwork out there and, and from a product standpoint, uh, how do we share that? And one of the things we actually, um, if you went to Princeton university of all places, uh, has the world's largest collection of playing cards. Really? Yep. Hmm. Absolutely. We have a pretty significant collection ourselves. Honestly, it's probably the... Second most significant playing card collection in the world in terms of we have cards that were uh, hand-drawn that are uh, as back as uh, late 1600s. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Dang. And it's just, I mean, is it in a vault? Well, that's it. That's it. It's in a vault. But I don't want it to remain in a vault. Yeah. Uh, So we're working with some uh, folks that are in the... um, historic uh, preservation of things like this because over time, you know, the risk of deterioration, et cetera. So in the future, I'm, I'm looking forward and, uh, to hopefully, you know, saying we found a partner that can help us uh, restore this collection and then make it available to the public in a, in a, a online form. Well, you know what? Attached it's it's so darn big, it would be really hard to do it in a museum. Um, you, there, uh, although there is a playing card museum, in uh, Vitoria, Spain, uh, our, uh, the founders of Fournier Playing Card, which is the company that we own, uh, they, the family still maintains that playing card museum, and they have some really significant uh, collections as well, mostly European. 
Um, you know, when you get into the commercial stuff, you know, no one, you and I li- like the designs, you know, the Jack Daniels and the Coca-Colas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Those don't have the kind of historic significance that um, the historians are looking for because they're looking for a lot of the um, art behind it and what drove that art during the period, you know, yeah. just like if a neoclassical period and so forth, uh, Romanesque. So uh, they're looking for art forms, and they're looking to better understand, um, you know, in, in, in the academic world um, and share that uh, learning. That's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's a, Again, that's one of the big reasons I, I find myself fascinated is the design element on playing cards and what drove that in the artwork, I think, is just absolutely outstanding. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you can make customized decks for individual people or is the you think the technology will get to that point where people could upload images and have yeah a, we could do that now uh it's a reunion yeah it's an interesting market um but there's a lot of companies out there and there's hundreds of companies that are doing that and and they don't make they're, they're really making it's something that's more of a keepsake yeah. and a novelty like yeah. hey the birth of your child and you instead of giving out cigars you're one. You're going to give out, you know, ten decks of cards with baby pictures, kind of thing, and you can afford to do that. And you'll That's probably a hard pass. Yeah, for me. yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> gender reveal. Have yeah. it. There have you it, go. The outside of the deck. deck be a pink deck, a blue yeah. deck, or you yeah. open it up and it's pink or blue. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, um, so that is a. It's a cool idea. It's just not a space we're going to. Yeah. We, we tend to be more uh, driven by the volume. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. It's a good way this to be. Is, this has been, I could sit here and talk about this stuff all day. Um, so how can people follow, like obviously the app sure. we just talked about, uh, do you have uh, active social media? What yeah, are we're very, yeah, we're, yeah, you can, yeah, you can find us um, on Instagram. Uh, there's something happening there daily. Uh, you can find us on, on all the social media platforms, Facebook, uh, Twitter, not as much. Um, as you will, Instagram and Facebook, but yes, we're out there. Um, obviously we have, uh, you know, our, our, our bicyclecards.com site. Um, yeah, we're looking to be more social because, um, we want to connect with folks. Yeah. 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 And get the t-shirts at yeah. sensyshirts.com. We got a yep. whole U.S. playing cards section. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope to add yeah. to that right there. This is sold yeah. all over the world. Like, that was our first... Uh, yeah, this was the first Because, yeah, you're a local company, but you're not a local company. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we yeah. saw those... You're based locally. We uh, yeah. we saw a bunch of those shirts online. I'll tell you what, they're shipping everywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. The... Uh, I don't know, but yeah, you're, you're, you are a good follow on Instagram with... Uh, there's a... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's like a... Uh, sponsor or your or not not sponsor magician yeah that yeah, magician John guy. Stessel. yeah yeah okay yeah he's yeah, John, yeah John's a good and... friend of ours and uh, he's a magician um, he works out in New York City at a place called the Red Rabbit Club he's entertaining a lot of uh, celebrities he is an absolutely phenomenal guy he's 24 years old um, incredibly bright got a great personality and he does some work for us um, you know, on and off and uh, demonstrates some things and reviews decks and interviews some really cool people like Shin Lim, who won America's Got Talent, that is a friend of his. And oh, who, yeah, who, he's incredible. He's incredible. And, you know, oh, and, yeah. And, 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 yeah, and we make uh, and we make all of his decks. Um, you know, his we, decks, do they have LED lights in them? No. Dang no. it, because no. I was like, 
No. I I was watching that, and it's like he just, he just holds it right there, and it changes. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a you second. Know, I bet that yeah. I bet there's a, some sort of light yeah, system. Yeah. Right there's a there. little extra trickery in that, but no, there's no LED lights in that. Ah. Uh, my favorite <laughs> is when Shin Lim does the. You know, it opens his mouth and the smoke comes out, you know, after he ate the card kind of thing or what have you. So, yeah. uh, very entertaining guy. And, um, yeah, magic is a happening thing. Has there, been, has there been a call since you've been at the company that either you'd received or someone in the company received and you're like, you're never going to guess who called today about something? Like David Blaine needs a reorder or Copperfield. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 David's been uh, David Blaine, uh, uh, Penn and Teller, these guys. Uh, they work exclusively with our custom to see. Do they team come on their here designs. ever? Yeah, David. Uh, Do they just appear? <laughs> yeah, David. <laughs> yeah, David's been here several times. Um, he um, he actually um, wanted to be here to watch uh, some of his custom decks being produced, and he spent an entire week. How um, awesome is that? Hanging and out, only, watching. And only Penn Gillette calls for Penn and Teller, obviously. Uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you cannot. Gillette is just he goes he just goes <laughs> silent on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, we do. Um, Matt Franco, um, who was another winner of America's Got Talent. Um, but then you know we do a lot of magicians that uh, aren't as you know household names uh, because they want. Our quality. That's great. They know we can only we can do what they need from a capability standpoint. In addition, we offer phenomenal customer service, so they're well taken care of. No doubt. Yeah. All right. Last thing, we ask okay. our guests to give us a word uh, that will be a coupon code other people can use that'll be good until the next episode comes out. So you've got uh, a word that you would like for us to use. Hmm. That's a great, great question. What can I come up with that would be spectacular? You know, I think it's usually pretty simple, right? Bicycle? Usually I is. think it's something like, you know, Ace. Ace. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Does Ace work? Ace works. Three, three letters work? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Good. Ace. Type in Ace. <laughs> cherub. Yeah, cherub does bicycle. not roll off the tongue like Ace. <laughs> Aces. You're right. That is a space. Yeah, there so you go. Great. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. So, so type in ACE on yeah. uh, CincyShirts.com. You'll save 20%. That coupon will be good until the next episode of the podcast comes out. Or you can mention ACE when you're in our stores over the Rhine, Hyde Park, or Loveland, and you'll get your discount there as well. Thank you so much for being with us Absolutely. and uh, the partnership and all the cool things we hope to continue doing i love it that's one of my guys. favorite yeah yeah and uh yeah. we're happy that you call this place home yeah well thank you we appreciate it it's um you know we love knowing that we're a cincinnati company with cincinnati heritage and that's what you guys do and that's what makes the the partnership special and i, I appreciate you having me and inviting me because this has been a ton of fun great cool come back and see us most definitely Michael Slaughter. U.S. Playing Card products can be found just about everywhere. Uh, the website is usplayingcard.com, and as Michael mentioned, they have an app that will teach you all different kinds of cards, games, and the rules to card games you might have forgotten, so check that out as well. Uh, I assume it's available in the App Store from Apple as well as Google Play and uh, probably other sources as well. So if you haven't already, check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Lots of great episodes back there. Matt Bischoff from Survivor, Gold Star CEO Roger David, Bill Donabedian, the guy that co-founded and also continues to help book Bunbury. 
Uh, Greg Hamilton from WWE, John Keyswetter talking about TV, actress Amy Yazbek talking about her late husband John Ritter, as well as her work in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and the TV show Wings. All kinds of great episodes back there. Two popular episodes that uh, don't really involve celebrities or people you might have heard of directly, Haunted Cincinnati and uh, Abandoned Cincinnati with our friend Ronnie Salerno, which also the first half of which is actually about the old Cincinnati Comet soccer team, which we also discussed with Jim Scott a couple of weeks ago. So check them all out. They're fabulous. Trust me. And if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, well, just drop us an email, info at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. Today's show is produced by me, with all from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, they are from Philadelphia. You can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, the aforementioned Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And in case you missed it, the promo code for the episode today is ACE. So just use ACE there uh, when you go to check out at OldSchoolShirts.com or CincyShirts.com and you'll get 20% off your entire order. Or you can use the code in our physical, or as we say, brick and mortar stores on Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and now Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Again, tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you got the show from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.